This morning to all those online and joining us in the fellowship hall this morning. In this series, More Than Just Stories, we're learning how Jesus taught spiritual truths through parables, through stories that he told. And today's parable is the story of the great banquet. And it's a story that Jesus told while he was at a banquet himself. And in this story, Jesus is basically comparing the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, to a party, to a great banquet that he throws at his own expense and he invites us all to come. And in Jesus' day, banquets like this were massive undertakings. Imagine great Gatsby big, right? People coming from all over the place and lots and lots of food to be purchased and servants and workers all brought in to cook and clean and prepare. Everybody working together to pull off this event. And the invitations are sent out well in advance. Save the date because something like this does not happen every day. This was an event with a capital E. And in this parable, out went the invitations, and nobody sent back any regrets. So the preparations began. And then on the day of the party, after all the food had been purchased and cooked and prepared, and everything was on the platters and arranged, the landowner came in, and he looked around, and he gave his approval. Yes, everything is just as it should be. Well done, everyone. Open up the doors. Go and tell the guests. Now it begins. And the servants went out to the guests and they found out that everybody who was invited had suddenly decided their own agendas for that day were more important. And they all had the lamest excuses. Excuse number one, I can't come because I just bought a field and I have to look at it. Now, what is that about? First, you bought a field without looking at it? Why would you do that? And secondly, after you buy the field, is it urgent that you go look at it right now? Is that field going to go somewhere? Second lame excuse, I can't come to the party because I just bought a team of oxen and I'm going to go try them out. Again, does it, if it had to be today that you were buying the oxen, okay, but what does it matter if you wait a day before you go and work the field with them, right? Every day is a day for work. This is a day set aside to celebrate. And what does it say if you respond to an invitation, well, I'd rather go to work with my new oxen than come to your party, Right? The third excuse, you actually might think sounds a little bit more reasonable. I just got married, so I can't come. But we only think that's reasonable because we don't understand the culture. In reality, this one is the worst. This is the most insulting of all. Because in that day and age, weddings were pretty much whole village-wide celebrations. If you were getting married, you were pretty much obligated to throw the whole town a party. It was a big deal. So for that reason, if you knew there was already a big community-wide feast being thrown soon, you're not going to schedule your wedding feast at the same time. And the landowner certainly wouldn't schedule a feast on the same weekend as a wedding in this kind of community. So to send out an invitation to this feast weeks ahead of time and then have these couple, this couple tell you on the day of, we can't come because we just got married, that's a major slap in the face because, A, that could only have been a surprise to the landowner if he hadn't been invited to their wedding feast. And B, they knew weeks before they were scheduling a feast that people would feel obligated to attend instead of his. And they obviously didn't care enough to change the date or even to tell him so he could pick a different day to invite the town to his house. And in fact, they cared so little about him, they didn't even let him know 
that they and half the town wouldn't be coming to his party until the minute they were supposed to be at his party. These people are the worst, aren't they? I'd hate to be the servant who had to go back to the landowner and tell him this news. And the owner of the house looks around his acres of empty party, all prepared and ready, and he says, fine, forget about all those people I invited. I'm throwing open the doors to anybody who will come. Go out and find anybody who had missed the invitation before, all of those who are broken or hungry, anybody out there who knows that they need what I'm offering. And don't just go and give them an invitation. No, you give them an escort. You bring them back here, walk them right up to the buffet line, show them the place where they can sit, and then go out and do it again, and do it again, and do it again, until this place is full, until my party is hopping, because I want my house, I want my party to be full of people who truly want to celebrate with me, who actually want to be here with me, who are happy to be called to be here with me, to celebrate with me tonight. And when you think about this parable as a parable of the kingdom of God, for what God is doing for the world in Jesus Christ, it really makes sense, doesn't it? Who likes to throw a party for people who don't actually want to be with you? Nobody that I know. The gift of saving grace, of eternal relationship with God, has been prepared for us by Jesus Jesus himself paid the price to invite us to the party of heaven in relationship with him. But as Jesus himself often points out to the Pharisees, he knows very well that it's only the sinners who know they are sinners who are going to come in first because they're the ones who are going to actually let themselves be escorted in, and they're going to sit down with eyes wide in wonder because they know what a joyful and amazing gift it is to be invited to be here and to be here with this generous host. They take joy in accepting the invitation. So there are two things that stand out in this parable that I think we need to hold on to and wrestle with in our own lives. And the first thing is the question, who are you in this parable? You have been invited to the feast of heaven by no one less than Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God himself. Have you RSVP'd yes? And do you want to come not only for the party, but also for the host? Or will you get distracted with all the stuff you've got going on and miss the invitation of a lifetime? If you can see that that's what you've been doing, confess that to Jesus right now, today, and get yourself to the party. He wants you to come. And secondly, notice in this parable, all those who are servants of this party thrower are called by him to go out and tell everyone that they are also invited to this feast. Everyone, down to the beggars lying in the street. Pick them up, dust them off, bring them into the seat of honor. Because everyone belongs at this party. The one who belongs is the one who can graciously receive what the master freely gives with joy. Everyone is invited. And it's our calling to let people know. So how does Jesus invite people today? And how does Jesus use his servants, people like you and me, to give this invitation? 
Well, since today is Partnership in Christian Education Sunday, we wanted to specifically lift up the fact that in our building every week, there are seminary students who are being trained to grow into that calling from many different ways. And one of those students, Terry Kearns, is with us this morning uh, to share his own story about how he experienced Jesus' invitation and how that led him to his own call to be one who invites others to the party. So welcome, Terry. Thank you, Pastor Angie. Good morning. Uh, It is uh, such an honor to be here with you. It's such an honor to get to come to Community of Grace every week and go to school here uh, at MI. Uh, And again, it's so cool that it's offered to everyone here uh, to be able to audit classes at MI. I just think that's such a wonderful opportunity and uh, uh, just want to invite you to that, speaking of invitations, right? I am a pastor, intern pastor at Northgate in Ramsey, Minnesota, and also uh, they've actually, I've been called there already, I'm, I'm a senior in, at MI, and I will be going on to continue to pastor there in Ramsey at Northgate. Um, I don't have, I guess, the normal uh, life of a pastor. Um, most of the time, uh, pastors, I think, not all the time, but most of the time, they've grown up at church. I did not grow up at church. And I want to just tell you about this, my story because it is definitely um, part of what Pastor Angie is talking about today, a great example of it. I'm going to go back all the way to when I can first remember at five, six years old. Uh, I grew up with a single mom and two brothers, so it was the three of us. Could you imagine a single mom with uh, three boys? Um, My two brothers were six and seven years older than I was. My mom uh, suffered from addiction. She suffered from alcoholism, and she worked full-time as a bartender trying to support us, which unfortunately left us home alone often. And you can imagine three boys home alone. uh, and uh, some very difficult things happened. Um, had different babysitters there. We suffered from uh, physical abuse, emotional abuse, mental abuse, um, sexual abuse. And uh, from the ages of about six to, I'd say about nine, I went to about 10 different elementary schools. It was just not very stable. Uh, we were actually even... Uh, homeless for a little while in the back of a Ford Escort. Who here remembers Ford Escorts, right? Um, And so, about 10 years old, my, my, uh, my mom married a man. And through this time, I should back up a little bit, through this time, we, tr- we went to church a couple times, uh, two or three times, and there was that invitation. And, uh, but we had better things, different lives to lead, and that's what we did. We just didn't go back to church. We didn't accept those invitations. Um, About 10 years old, my mom married a man who unfortunately uh, was also suffered from mental illness and uh, was very abusive to my mom, so physically and emotionally and verbally, and so we saw that sort of thing happened to her. By the way, I should say this too, I have permission from my mom and my parents to talk about this. Um, Mental illness took him in April of 1987. He uh, um, took his own life um, and 
1987 was a really, really tough year for me. I hadn't known death yet. And so in that year, that was, that was the first time I had known it. Um, the one good thing I remember about 1987 was the Twins won the World Series. So uh, that's, a, that, that's etched in my brain. I love it. So um, a couple months after my stepdad passed away, um, uh, a friend of the family's, a man kind of came alongside of us to help us. And uh, he also turned out to have mental illness. We did not realize it. And um, he, uh, um, uh, he, he kidnapped a little girl that rode my bus uh, in kindergarten and took her life. And so that was in, in 87. So I, you can imagine my mom was really, really struggling in and through all of this. The end of 87, uh, my grandfa grandfather died. So I, I was about 11, 12 years old at the time. And by the time I was 13, um, I was really masking, trying to mask all of this. I was trying to find ways to take away the pain, and I turned to all the wrong things, all of the things that I knew. My, my, I turned to what my mom was turning to, and alcohol, and I turned to what my, my biological dad was turning to. Um, he was in and out of my life uh, periodically, and he, he was a drummer in a band, and he suffered from addiction as well. And so by 13, 14 years old, I was following those footsteps. Uh, by 15, I was dealing drugs in my own school. Um, I uh, took up playing drums, started trying to find my identity in all of the, th really, what I knew. Um, by 18, I had uh, my first child, uh, Kelsey, uh, she, uh, my daughter. Uh, married her mom at, by 19. Um, figured I was going to, uh, once, once she was born, I was going to do the right thing and work really hard, so I dropped out of high school. Uh, not a very good decision. But uh, I really wanted to do the right thing. I wanted to change uh, life. I wanted to have a better life for my daughter than what I had. It didn't work out that way. I continued to not... Um, I, I want to say that there was times I thought about God. I went to church those few times. I thought about God. And that invitation was sort of there. I didn't really know what that meant. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know who God was. But the invitation was still there. I would think about him every so often. Um, unfortunately, throughout uh, Kelsey's life, and then we had another daughter when I was 24, Sierra's life, uh, I wasn't a good husband and I was not a good dad. Um, I still suffered from addiction. I continued to be verbally and physically abusive to my family, and uh, I was struggling. Um, and of course, so were they. <laughs> more so than even I was, I think. Uh, by the time I was 27, that ended up in a separation and eventually a divorce. Um, once separation, uh, the separation came, uh, I fell deeper and deeper into trouble, fell deeper into addiction. Every decision that came in life, the harder it was, the farther I fell. And. Uh, I fell hard when the separation happened. I went out, I charged up all my credit cards, partying, maxed them all out, took cash advances, and eventually lost everything, um, including my kids, my family, lost everything. Once I lost everything, I fell into the deepest, darkest depression I've ever known, and uh, I pray I ever will know. I ended up on the couch at my dad's house for about a month and a half.
and I didn't move. Um, I went, I used the restroom, and uh, I think I took a few showers maybe in that time. And uh, my, my mom, my stepmom, I was talking to somebody earlier, actually, I gotta say this, and he, he talked about step-parents, they're actually bonus parents. I, just in, I was talking to, I think, Tim out there, and he said that bonus parents, that was a really good way to look at it, because that's what she was. She's my bonus parent, but she would bring me food while I was laying on the couch. And if she wouldn't have, I probably would not have eaten. Um, I was dying, and if I wasn't dying, I was hoping to. Eventually, after about a month and a half, I said, all right, that's it. I'm going to pull myself up from my bootstraps. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to start living life. And yes, I thought about God a few times, but I didn't go towards him. I went my own way. I joined a band as a drummer. I fell deep right back into everything I was doing to begin with. I, uh, in that time, I met my girlfriend, Tiffany. Fell in love with her. And uh, she was living a destructive life, lifestyle as well. And we ended up living a destructive lifestyle together. Uh, one night, we were coming home from the bar, and I um, lost control of the car and wrapped it around a pole. And she was in the passenger seat. And I went to... Um, Went to go to work the next morning, got up, went out, had forgotten what had happened, and saw this car with the shape of a pole on the passenger side right where my girlfriend was sitting. And uh, thank you, God, she was okay. Um, fractured jaw, and that was about it. And I said, I can't do this anymore. And it was just a couple days later, T Tiffany looked at me and said, I can't do this anymore. I was gonna lose her. And so I decided I needed a change. And I said, God, if you are real, if you are who you say you are, you're going to help me. You're going to help me out of this absolute mess I'm in. And I started to go to recovery groups, which landed us at a church out in Ramsey, Minnesota. We weren't going to church, but I was going to the recovery group at that church. After a couple of months, I, I just felt this tug to go to church. So Tiffany and I went to church. And... Uh, that was the beginning of a very different life. We walked into church and there was this, a community of people that looked very, very different than anything we had ever known, and a com community that invited us into their community and they knew nothing about us. They, I, I can remember several times, and I don't know if Tiffany felt this way, but I know I did. If they only knew who I am, if they only knew, they wouldn't be so inviting. That's what I thought. A couple months goes by, and I'm, I'm sort of telling people a little bit more and more about my story. End up in a, leader, uh, a leadership meeting about mentorship. And this guy, Dave Heinrich, was teaching the class, and he was um, all done teaching, and he walked by me and Tiffany, and I looked at him, I says, hi, Dave, my name's Terry. It's nice to meet you. He says, hi, Terry. And I'm not kidding, I looked at him, will you mentor me? <laughs> and uh, he did. Uh, three, four years of meeting almost every week. And he walked with me, and I continued to go to church there, and I continued to tell people my story, and they continued to love me even more. And this was the invitation to the kingdom. Like, this was the kingdom. You guys know that? The church is the kingdom. And I got to be a part of that, and it was with all of my junk. It wasn't get myself straight and get myself better and come in. It was come on into the kingdom 
and, 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 and it'll become you. And it's done that. It still is doing that. And so he walked with me, and uh, this community turned into my family, our family. We got our daughters, um, custody of them, and uh, then we had a little boy. His name is Tristan, and he is now 10 years old. Um, my other daughter's 20 years old this week. She's in college. Another one's 24 years old. She's a first grade school teacher. And uh, two grandchildren. She's married in, in Marsh, and we have two, two grandchildren, beautiful grandchildren, all of which are in the kingdom, you guys. And my mom now greets at our church. She's in the kingdom. And my sister, who I didn't mention earlier, on my dad's side of the family, there was no, no church, no kingdom for her, no kingdom for my dad's side of the family. She sings on the worship team at our church now. And uh, one of my brothers... Um, who went through all that abuse with, with us. Um, unfortunately, he passed away a year and a half ago, but before he passed away, years before he passed away, he was invited to the kingdom. My other brother, he is still living a destructive lifestyle, but calls me and says, Terry, please pray for me. He's invited, and I think I'm hopeful that he's going to take Jesus up on that, on that invitation. The kingdom broke through to my family by invitation, one person at a time, and our lives have never been the same. It's beautiful. Jesus wrecked our lives. I'm a pastor. <laughs> what? You know? Um, I get to do that. I get to invite people in Jesus' name to the kingdom and be a part of the kingdom, and be a part of what the kingdom is. I'm looking at it right here. It chokes me up to even see it. Because if it wasn't for the kingdom, I wouldn't be standing here right now. So, blessings to you. Thank you for having me. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, you are so good. We thank you, Lord, that you don't give up on us, that you continue to extend the invitation, Lord, over and over again. And the hearts that need you, Lord, who will respond to that invitation, Lord, you, you continue to show us that grace that we need. And Lord, we pray that you would draw us to you today in a new way, eyes wide with wonder, that we have been invited into this love, into this grace, into this Lord. Um, we pray that you would show us today the ways that, that we can come just as we are, Lord, to your kingdom and to be received by your love and to begin that journey of growing into understanding what it means to be part of your kingdom. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to plant on our hearts um, those people in our lives, those names for who we worry and pray for, those people who uh, we desire to know what we know of you. We pray, Lord, that you would use us as your hands and feet, as inviters of the kingdom in any way that you call us to. Lord, we pray that our hearts would be open uh, to be nudged by your Holy Spirit, to keep on inviting others to know the grace that's only found in you, Jesus. So, Lord, thank you for your grace that makes all things new, even us. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We invite you, please.